Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL LP 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Our thoughts and prayers today are with the family and friends of those killed in yesterday's horrific terror attack uh, in Orlando. We're going to look at that situation in detail at the bottom of the hour. But uh, first, we have today's guest is here with us. We have congressional candidate for Nevada's 3rd District. Mr. Danny Tarkanian is with us today. Mr. Mr. I'm sorry. I'm the... I can't even speak so yet. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. That's a tough last name, though. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a it's a fairly common, if we want to use the word common, last name here in Las Vegas. I think everyone is familiar, uh, you know, with with your family and with your dad and the work that your family has done here in the city. Um, so let's you know, let's just start there. Tell us about your your past. What led you to want to run uh, for this congressional seat? You know, my, a lot of things that you do through sports and through um, education, which my mother was involved in, deal with public service, and they were very much involved in it as uh, when uh, going through their careers. And as us young children were watching, I just thought it was a wonderful way to get back to the community. My wife and I have tried to do a lot of that already with different nonprofits we're involved in, from the Tarkanian Basketball Academy to the Tark Toy Drive. But uh, getting to politics is really a step forward where you can do it much more um, positive things for your community and your country if you uh, get that opportunity. So I, I, I really think this is a, this is a thing that is my um, direction in life where I can make the biggest impact to help the community, and that's why I decided to get involved into it. Yeah, and you're in a fairly competitive race there in the 3rd District. What would you say uh, sets you apart from your competition? I think that what most people complain about the elected officials is once they get elected, they go back to whether it's Carson City, if it's a state race, or Washington, D.C., if it's a federal race, and they don't do what they're uh, promised that they would do, or and or they get back there and they get tainted by whatever pressures are out there. Mm. The one thing that people know me know that I stand by my convictions. I'm the very, uh, I keep fighting. You know, I've been knocked down many times in my life and had many disappointments, faced mm-hmm. a lot of adversity, but I've tried to come back stronger and tougher. And uh, and be more effective that way, and I think that's what you you'd want in our legislative officials. Oh, definitely, and I think if we had more of that, we would be uh, we would be better off. And one of the talk, well, one of the taglines you have on your website is that if you're elected, you're, you plan to work for citizens and not politicians. And that seems to be something that's maybe a growing problem in our government today, as you mentioned, whether that be in Carson City or in Washington D.C. Uh, so, but if you are elected, what would be what would you say are some of your top priorities? Maybe your top three priorities if you end up in Washington D.C. We have we have so many major issues out there now, and as you just saw yesterday with the latest terrorist act, mm-hmm. our national security, protecting the safety of our citizens, has got to be everyone's top priority. At the same time, we have an economy that just is sputtering along and and isn't um, um, doing what it should be doing to help the the people here, uh, the great workers that we have here in the United States. So we got to get our economy back going. And the third issue that's out there that's going to be a real financial 
um, mess and uh, catastrophe for our country if we don't get under control is, is the government spending and the debt that we have. You can't keep borrowing money like we have and think that we're not going to have a huge problem with it later. Right. Uh, we will already owe $19 trillion, and it's going up almost a trillion a year under the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to go over one more uh, one more tagline from your website and then maybe just run through some of the issues that people would have questions about. Uh, your website talks about restoring the American dream, and I think that's something that's been talked a lot about this election cycle with one candidate in particular making that something that, that restoring America. Um, and I think we all well, know what I'm America talking about. Yeah, making America great again. Making there you America go. Great is, uh, we'll just say it. Mine's a little different, and I, and I did it because of the, what my, my family's history. You know, my mother, my, my grandmother, on my dad's side, his mother, she escaped the Armenian genocide as a, as a very young girl. She wasn't even a teenager. She came to America. She couldn't speak any English. She had very little money and didn't know a soul when she got here. But she worked her tail off. She took advantage of the opportunities that America gives to people who work hard and, uh, and uh, do what's right. And she was able to provide for her son and on my mother a similar story, uh, what her father did for her, that my parents, both of them, were able to achieve lifelong dreams. My dad became the greatest coach in college basketball history. My mother mm-hmm. started the first private school of the death in California. Those things are no longer available for most of us here in, in America. It isn't just if you work hard, you've got a chance to achieve your dreams. We have government that is interfering in virtually every aspect of our life, making it diff- more difficult for us to achieve dreams, even if we do work hard, even if we do do what's right, mm-hmm. even if we do shut the personal responsibility. Uh, government has, has gotten – our federal government primarily has taken uh, a lot of those those opportunities away from us, and I'd like to get back to what's made us great again. Reward people who work hard, take pride in the hard day's work, and those type of things. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so um, let's just go through some some issues that are generally asked to to candidates and things that people might want to know your stance on. Uh, We'll start with Obamacare. Is that something you'd like to see repealed? Is it even possible to repeal it? And if so, what would you like to see it replaced with? Well, look, at this. can it be appealed? Sure. Is it possible? It's very difficult because you're going to need 60 senators to get sure. override a, a, a veto. It's going to be very difficult. There are a couple of things in Obamacare that were good that they, they passed, uh, uh, eliminating the uh, pre-existing conditions issue and allowing kids to stay in the parents' health insurance plan uh, up until the late 20s. I don't know why those things weren't implemented earlier, but everything else about Obamacare has been a catastrophe. You know, like they talked about it's a it's Affordable Care Act. When I uh, um, had insurance before Obamacare, my four young kids and my wife, I paid $460 a month with a $1,000 deductible. Now I'm paying $1,480 a month with a $5,000 deductible. You can't expect uh, people to be able to continue to pay those kind of rising costs. And it's obvious the reason why we're paying that cost to subsidize everybody else who's under the Obamacare and getting those subsidies. Mm -hmm. People on Obamacare, 89% of them are getting federal subsidies that somebody else is paying for. You got to get back to a consumer based uh, product for health care. I would not get back. We haven't been there. Everything in our. economy is basically consumer-based. You, you, you put a product out there, the consumer wants to buy it, they buy it, if they don't, they don't. They understand, the consumer understands the cost of what it's going to be and whether it's worth them for that price. That's not the case with insurance and health care. If you pay for an insurance, you can go into health care and get as much treatment as you want, as many different items as you want. There's some restrictions these companies will provide, but it's not, it's not market-based. We need to get to a point where, hey, 
people pay for whatever kind of insurance they want. They have an opportunity to pick and choose what fits their family the best. And then with that, there has to be some type of a cost when they're utilizing that service so each person feels that kind of a pain when they go ahead and do it. And then mm-hmm. they should be able to keep that insurance with them wherever they go from job to job. There are these uh, um, there are these products where you can go, uh, you can put money into an account, health savings accounts, uh, and uh, you can take, and instead of the employer buying the insurance, you put it in your health savings account, you buy your insurance, and you're going to take it with you from job to job. Yeah. Right now, if you leave your job, you got to start over with a new insurance. We should be able to purchase insurance across state lines and create more competition within the insurance industry. The one thing we're seeing in our country, every time we have uh, more uh, competition, we have a better product at a lower cost. There's a lot more that goes into it. That's as much I, I guess we can say in a short radio show. <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, you mentioned it briefly earlier, and that's national security as being one of your main priorities. I know that's something that uh, Mr. Trump is obviously bringing to the forefront again uh, with his um, his focus on securing the border and potentially immigration reform. What are your views there on, on both the border and immigration? I mean, I agree completely. We, I, and I don't know how anybody could not agree that we need to have secure borders. Mm-hmm. I can't understand how people will argue against Trump saying we need to build a wall or protect our borders on, with the best way possible. Uh, you see that we're in a, we're in a, in a world of uh, terrorism. It's going to be this way for decades, and we need to protect our, our borders. And second of all, I don't think we should be taking in more and more people in our country that we cannot we fully vet and make sure that uh, that uh, they won't be a danger to our country. Who would be who, why would anybody say, yeah, we should take in whatever it is, 8,000 refugees, but we can't fully vet them, and, and one right. of them may uh, you know, do one of the things that happened yesterday and kill 50 people and 50-plus yeah. and injure 50-plus more. I mean, we we got to take care of our citizens first here in the United States before we start worrying about everything else around the world. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Okay, so uh, on taxes, our, obviously we have um, our debt and deficit are headed in the wrong direction for those of us that are conservative in any way. Is our budget something that you think can be balanced? And if so, how how would that happen? It should be balanced. There's a lot of things that go along with it. But let's talk about our tax system. We have a corporate tax rate that's the highest in the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we give these loopholes to the major companies so that they can hide their money overseas and not pay any taxes. General Electric, for example, hasn't paid any federal taxes for many years. And uh, they're one of the wealthiest company corporations in the world because of these loopholes. But I, I think it's a real simple concept. It's a simple deal, but no, the legislators don't want to do it because – they're relying upon these companies for donations so they can stay in office, and that's the wrong reason why they should be in office. Let's eliminate all these tax breaks and tax loopholes that we give to uh, the special interest groups, to these powerful companies. You cut those things down, and you make them pay their fair share. Then you can lower the tax rates for all these other corporations and companies and businesses that are out there so they're more competitive with the rest of the world. When you lower those other companies' rates, you're going to have more economic um, activity because they're going to have more money to reinvest in their company and their products and more money will be spent by consumers to purchase more things. So basically you get rid of these special deductions and exceptions, lower the tax rate for everybody else, and just watch the economy start moving forward. That along with you got to eliminate all these ridiculous unreasonable regulations that the Obama administration has placed on our companies that are holding their ability to uh, to, uh, progress. Okay, so let's shift to some social issues. Uh, on the issue of life, where do you stand? I've always been pro-life, and except for the, what the life, the act, actual life of the mother, and then the debate between two uh, lives. That's the only time I think there should be the ability to terminate the life of an unborn. 
Okay, and then uh, transgender bathrooms are obviously something that uh, are more and more on people's mind as we see school districts now starting to implement these different policies. Where do you fall on that? I don't understand how anybody can argue that it's right to have boys go into the bathroom that girls are using and vice versa, even if they feel like that they are a boy or girl. Uh, it's not what someone feels. It's really what their body parts are. I have four, uh, three young girls. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't think they should be subject to the fact that they may be going to share in the restroom, even if it's a stall with the door closed, with people that, that have male body parts. It's mm-hmm. just it's not something that I believe is decent. I, and I don't think we should change that. At the same time, we could find alternatives for people that are transgender that aren't uh, uh, so um, tough for them because. Uh, obviously, if there's issues for them, but they're going to the, in the office of bathrooms and what they feel and the way they're dressed and so forth. But sure. those options are out there. They in the state legislature, they tried to uh, uh, pass a bill that would have basically bathrooms that unisex go in unisex bathrooms, and they, it was voted down. So instead of doing alternatives, they're going to force uh, young girls or boys to share bathrooms with people that have the opposite body parts and i don't think that's right sure sure so you know obviously this is a christian station and uh, our listeners one of the things that is important to them is where candidates fall on the topic of religious freedom i'm i'm a very uh, i'm a christian person born again i believe very strong in everyone's right uh for religious freedom and that their rights should should be every bit as, as strong as as any any other rights of someone to uh, the bill of rights that they have. Yeah, exactly. And and lastly, you know, you've been here to Liberty. You obviously you're a born again Christian. Do you think that that relationship with Jesus Christ, that a person's faith, is important not only in an individual's life but also in you know how they live and how they would govern if elected to serve uh, locally or I, nationally? Well, first of all, it's the most important important thing in someone's lives, I believe. Uh, I think once I, I could just tell you from mine from the time I accepted Christ in my heart, I'm a, a much better person and much happier with how I'm living my life. I, I think it also affects how someone governs because it dictates some of the feelings, uh, beliefs, and morality. But you also have to do. You can't force your religion upon other people. Sure. That's, a, that's something that I think uh, is often misstated by some um, uh, religious right. Everyone should have the right to follow their beliefs. And it's our responsibility as Christians to try to explain why we believe that you should be following Christ and why that's the the, the right path, but we shouldn't force it upon people. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Tarkanian. He's running in Nevada's 3rd District for the congressional seat. Uh, I believe it's um, uh, Joe Heck's seat is the one that's vacated because he's running for Senate. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So it's in con- the 3rd District, which is what what boundaries are who's, – who's in your Basically, voting district? Basically, it's, this is the uh, the boundaries. It's everything that is south of Summerlin Parkway and west of Durango. So if you're okay. looking at the west part of the state, it's south of Summerlin Parkway, west of Durango, until you get to Russell. Once you, you get to Russell, you have the whole state up and down. So you have everything to the border of California, to the border of Arizona, and then actually up until you get to Prom on, yeah, the, north, a, on the north side. It's a large, uh, it's a large district. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so don't forget to get out and vote tomorrow. The polls are open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can find more information online at clarkcountynv.gov slash vote, including sample ballots. Who else is on your ballot? Uh, make sure you do your research there. Mr. Tarkanian, if anyone would like to find out more about you and where you stand on the issues, how can they uh, How can they do that? They should go to my website at tark, and that's T-A-R-K, 4 
and that's forcongress.com, tarkforcongress.com. Tarkforcongress.com. All right, well, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you taking thank the time you. to join us and share your, your thoughts and opinions, and uh, best of luck tomorrow. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Bye. All right, have a great day. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Again, it's ClarkCountyNV.gov slash vote. You can go there, find out who is on uh, your ballot. May or may not be Mr. Tarkanian, and then there, he has some uh, competition as well. We offer airtime to any candidate that would like to come on and share their thoughts and opinions uh, with us. Uh, Mr. Tarkanian was the one that was gracious enough to agree to do that uh, with us. And also, uh, for those of you that are voting, I'm not sure uh, about the Democrats, but I know that the Clark County GOP has, if you're a Republican voter, the Clark County GOP has contact information uh, for many of the um, nonpartisan offices and even some of the uh, Senate and congressional candidates' actual personal contact information. So if you're not sure going into tomorrow where your candidates may stand on an issue, you can actually go to their website, get their personal email or phone number, and reach out to them directly. I did that last week um, because I'm. I, this is my first time voting in a, in a Nevada primary, and I had no idea who was uh, the best candidate for both uh, district court judge and... Um, I'm in school district C. I that was the one that I really, I had no clue who's running for school district, who these people are, what they believe, who I should pick for trustee. Uh, so I was able to reach out uh, to some of them. And one gentleman in particular that I had emailed, he emailed me back within maybe a minute and uh, gave me his cell phone number. And we were able to have a good conversation for about 10 minutes. And I was very, very impressed with him. But, uh, you know, and it just, it took me, you know, three minutes of research, 30 seconds to send an email, and then a conversation, and I feel very confident now in who I was voting for. So I'd encourage you to do the same. Go to ClarkCountyNV.gov slash vote. That has all the information for you if you are a Democratic voter, Republican voter, a nonpartisan voter. It will tell you who is on your ballot, and, uh, and then you can Google, find information on those individuals, and make an educated decision tomorrow, June 14th, this is Election Day, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., the polls are open. We are voting for Senator. Harry Reid's seat is open. So it is uh, new challengers. So we have uh, one, two, three, four, four different competitors on the Democratic side and I believe nine on the Republican side. So you want to make sure you know who you want to represent you in the Senate. There's a lot to choose from there. And then uh, voting for uh, congressional offices, obviously. Um, I believe we have at least four congressional districts here in Nevada. So you want to know which, uh, who is on your ballot for Congress there as well. It's very important. It's very, very important that we vote not only in the presidential primaries and the presidential elections, but that we vote and participate in our local and, and statewide races because, you know, you, you look at these issues with school boards and transgender bathrooms and different things like this. These decisions are being made on a local level, and these local officials are elected by us, but too often we forget about our local officials because we're so focused on the primary election. This is why it's so important. Your local officials officials have a great impact on you. And then, you know, the other thing is with everyone talking about the Supreme Court and how we have to elect so-and-so or so-and-so as president because of the Supreme Court. Well, the bottom line is the president only nominates a person that they think that the, that they want on the Supreme Court. It then goes to the Senate. The Senate chooses whether or not to appoint 
the president's nominee. So it's very important uh, that you know who is running for Senate and that you vote for someone that shares your beliefs in the Senate and also, of course, in Congress as well. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious, community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the shooting uh, in Orlando. A lot to say about that, so don't go away. This is the Piano Guys with Michael Meets Mozart. One piano, two guys, and 100 cello tracks. It's pretty awesome. Don't go away. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXLLP 101.1 FM. Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas from Liberty Baptist Church. That was the Piano Guys with Michael Meets Mozart. They're like acapella but with instruments. So everything in that... The track you just heard was just using a piano and a couple different cellos. That's it. Every sound they made from those. It's I, I love the piano, guys. And by the way, if you're listening to the podcast edition of the show, you will notice that you never actually get to hear these awesome songs that I talk about. And that's because of some different copyright um, issues. So if you would like to hear the music that we play, then you can t- tune in live. It's kvxl101.com. If you're living outside of Las Vegas, you can listen to our station 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Me, you can listen to from 7 to 8 a.m. and 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific time each day here on uh, KVXL. So you can go kvxl101.com or 101.1 FM in Las Vegas. You can also catch me from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific time on the 405media.com. And if you listen to one of those avenues, you'll get the music uh, just you won't be getting it if you're tuning in via the podcast. But thanks to those of you that are listening on the podcast as well. And if you haven't checked it out yet, it's on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash The Frittle Show. You can catch up on past episodes as well. Still working on the iTunes Avenue. Just haven't uh, made any progress there yet. It's apparently a very lengthy process with them because they actually go through and listen to your shows to see if you are acceptable to broadcast, which, you know, it's actually probably a really good idea. Okay, so I am so sick to my stomach over the shooting in Orlando. The worst terrorist attack outside of 9-11 on U.S. soil. The worst mass shooting in our history. And to me yesterday, as I watched the, the aftermath of this and people's reaction, it just amazed me how individuals on all sides of every issue are able to take something like this and use it to point fingers and offer solutions that just aren't even relevant to the situation. I mean, everyone is running around with their particular brand of Band-Aid right now, but we don't need a Band-Aid. We need surgery. This is from Fox News. 49 killed in shooting at Florida nightclub impossible act of Islamic terror. A gunman who pledged allegiance to ISIS, which I'm not, I don't even know why we say possible Islamic terror, because he pledged allegiance to ISIS. ISIS has claimed responsibility for this attack. Anyway, uh, he pledged allegiance to ISIS, opened fire early Sunday morning in a packed Orlando nightclub, killing 49 people and wounding at least 53 more in the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. Uh, the death toll was at uh, 50 
but the mayor has since downgraded it to 49 because he is saying that the uh, shooter is one of those that was uh, killed, but that he is not a victim, so he's not to be counted among the victims. So uh, he killed 49 people and wounded 53 more. ISIS claimed responsibility for the attack Sunday afternoon via its Amok news agency. Reuters reported Amok said an Islamic State fighter carried out the assault. It was not clear, however, if the shooting was actually directed by the terror group or only inspired by it. The attack in Orlando at Pulse, which builds itself as the hottest gay bar in the city and was packed with more than 300 people for Latin night, was reported minutes after 2 a.m on Sunday. It ended hours later when police stormed the building and killed the shooter. Dozens of partygoers remained hostage in the club for several hours after the initial shooting, prompting SWAT teams to rush inside. Shortly after 6 a.m. local time, Orlando police tweeted that the gunman had been killed. Authorities said there was not believed to be any further threat to the area. The fact that the shooting took place during Ramadan and that ISIS leadership in Raqqa has been urging attacks during this time, that the target was an LGBT nightclub during Pride, and if accurate, that according to local law enforcement, the shooter declared his allegiance to ISIS indicates an ISIS-inspired act of terrorism. House Intelligence Committee Ranking Member Representative Adam Schiff said in a statement. The gunman, Omar Mir Sadiq Mateen, was heard shouting Allah Akbar while engaging officers, law enforcement sources told Fox News. Mateen also called 911 during the shooting to pledge allegiance to ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, Fox News reported. Mateen was interviewed three times by FBI agents, twice in 2013, once in 2014, as part of two separate investigations, FBI Assistant Special Agent in Charge Ron Hopper said. However, both inquiries proved inconclusive and the cases were closed. Mateen was not under surveillance or the subject of an active investigation at the time of the shooting. He was described by a colleague as an unhinged and unstable person who repeatedly made racist, misogynist, and homophobic remarks. Daniel Gilroy, a former police officer, worked as a security officer with G4S Security at the PGA Village Complex in Port St. Lucy. Pulse nightclub shooter Omar Mateen worked the night shift right after Gilroy at the complex's south gate. Gilroy described Mateen as a devout Muslim who brought a prayer mat to work and prayed several times a day. There was never a moment where he didn't have anger and rage, Gilroy said, and he was always loud and cursing. And any time a female or a black person came by, he would use horrible words. A few times he mentioned homosexuals and Jewish people, but we didn't deal with them quite as often, so it was mostly women and blacks because those were the people in front of us. Gilroy told Florida Today that he complained to his superior several times about Mateen, but they refused to take action because, Gilroy claimed, Mateen was Muslim. Gilroy said he quit G4S in 2015 after Mateen began sending him dozens of harassing text and phone messages per day. Everything he said was toxic, Gilroy told the paper, and the company wouldn't do anything. This guy was unhinged and unstable, and he talked of killing people. However, PGA Village resident Eleanor Dory described Mateen to Florida today as very polite and always a gentleman. You would never, ever think that he would have done anything like this, she told the paper. Scary. Very scary. Meanwhile, it emerged late Sunday that Mateen had sent a Facebook friend request to the owner of another gay club last week, raising the possibility that he may have been considering targeting other LGBT night spots in the area. (sighs) Okay. So, yesterday, I wake up, you know, you, you see this news, you pray for the city, you pray for the family and the friends of all those affected by this event in Orlando 
And then, you know, I'm scrolling through Twitter and it just amazed me. There's, uh, I'm seeing the same thing over and over in my newsfeed about what the public, what people are saying about this. Are you ready? And this is it. One, they were saying either, they would say, the only way to stop terrorism is to ban guns. And then you keep scrolling and the next thing you see is the only way to stop terrorism is to vote for Donald Trump. So it's either we have to ban guns or we have to vote for Donald Trump. Well, newsflash everyone, each of these statements is false. Terrorists are evil and terrorists will continue to work their evil ways in the world regardless of if we ban guns and regardless of who sits in the Oval Office because this is not about a political agenda. This is about a belief system and a worldview that is diametrically opposed to all that is good and right in this world. This is about radical Islam. This is about a belief system that teaches if you don't believe what I believe, then it is my duty to kill you. It's not about guns. It's not about Donald Trump. This is about the teachings of Muhammad. You know, and everyone wants to solve the problem, but no one wants to talk about the root of the issue. And, and I saw all this stuff that people are posting about how, how this is hate and how we need to conquer hate in Christianity and Judaism and Islam because Christians are just as hateful to gays. Christians, the term Christians was trending on Twitter for hours yesterday. Not Islam. Christians. But it's, it's just not right. Christians and Jews aren't raping and killing and beheading people every week. Radicalized Muslims are. But yesterday's headlines didn't mention this individual being a Muslim, even though he cried, Allah Akbar calls 911 to pledge allegiance to the, to the Islamic State. And everybody's like, we don't know the motive behind this shooting. Yes, we do! And what the headlines don't say is that while Christians are bashed in America for being gay haters because we might not want to bake a cake for your wedding, it's actually Islam that has and continues to teach its adherents to kill those who practice homosexuality. Islam is not a peaceful religion. And no, let me clarify for those of you that may be starting to get worried, every Muslim is not a terrorist. If you think that's what I'm saying, if you're getting concerned that that's what I was implying, I'm not. I'm not saying that every Muslim is a terrorist. But you know who was a terrorist? Muhammad. And if you take Muhammad's teachings and apply them to a society, what you end up with is the horrific human rights violations practiced on a daily basis in the Middle East by Muslim nations. And you get the horrors of ISIS. I mean, this guy, he targeted this nightclub because it is a gay bar. No one can deny that fact. And only, only Islam teaches its adherents to kill gay people. Or those that disagree with any of their religious uh, philosophy, for that matter. And, you know, there's a big difference. Because Christians are like, hey, you know what? We disagree with you, but you're free to do whatever you want. I may disagree with you and still be able to love you as a person. I'm simply just not going to embrace your lifestyle or pretend that I think it's okay when my faith teaches me that it's not. But Christians are not going to kill you for being gay. Now, why is that? Because Jesus never raped anyone, never murdered anyone, never called for genocide of anyone. 
But Muhammad did all of these things. You know, and not every Christian is perfect. I would venture to say no Christian is perfect. But Jesus was. And not every Muslim is a terrorist. But Muhammad was. And Muslim countries, not even radical Islamists or terrorists necessarily, but countries that are governed by Islamic or Sharia law, these nations, basing their, their, their judicial system on the teachings of Muhammad, are throwing gay people off of buildings, they're stoning them, they're beheading them. That is the gay rights cause that gay rights activists should be worried about. That is where their efforts should be focused. Not on Christians in America who don't want to bake a wedding cake. The former is discrimination and persecution. The latter is not. Okay, Islam teaches that homosexuality is wrong and gays should be killed. Christianity teaches also that homosexuality is wrong, but that Jesus died to pay for every sin of mankind, whether that be um, lying or sex outside of marriage or um, uh, stealing, homosexuality, you name it, Jesus died to pay for every sin, for everything that the Bible says is wrong, to save sinners and allow them to live forever. There is a huge difference there. They are not the same. In the Islamic thought system, gays are considered infidels, and infidels must die. So yes, this issue is about the targeting of a gay bar, but the reason they were targeted is because radical Islam wants them dead, and this man was enraged, his father said, because he had seen two men kissing. It isn't Christians who hate gays. It isn't Jews who hate gays. It's Muslims who strictly adhere to the teachings of Islam's founder. And we have got to recognize this and not be too afraid to say it. We have to recognize that this is the root of the problem. And you're like, oh, that's, you just, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? An imam in, guess which city? Orlando. An imam in Orlando specifically called for the killing of gay individuals, said it is an act of compassion. Here's part of his speech. Listen to this. Death is the sentence. I mean, look, there's nothing to be embarrassed about this. Death is the sentence. Death is the sentence we know. There's nothing to be embarrassed about this. Death is the sentence. He goes on to say that killing gays, according to Islamic law, should be done out of compassion. And, okay, maybe that's just one imam. Let's think, what what does Islam itself actually teach about homosexuality? This is from the religionofpeace.com. It says, Islam goes beyond merely disapproving of homosexuality. Sharia teaches that homosexuality is a vile form of fornication punishable by death. And then it goes on to quote a number of references from the Quran. 780 through 84, for you practice your lusts on men in preference to women. You are indeed the people transgressing beyond bounds, and we rain down on them a shower of brimstone. Uh, 26, 165 through 166, of all the creatures in the world, will ye approach males and leave those whom Allah has created for you to be your mates? Now ye are a people transgressing. 416, if two men among you are guilty of lewdness, punish them both. If they are dependent on men, leave them alone. Mm. But then if you go to the Hadith, 
which is what uh, the followers of Islam say is the actual like teachings and quotes from Muhammad himself. From Abu Dawood 4462, the messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah being upon him, said, Whoever you find doing the action of the people of Lot, execute the one who does it and the one to whom it is done. From Abu Dawood 4448, if a man who is not married is seen committing sodomy, he will be stoned to death. Bukhari 72774, the prophet cursed effeminate men and those women who assume the manners of men, and he said, turn them out of your houses, and so on and so forth. Al-Tamiri, Sunan 1-152, Muhammad said, Whoever is found conducting himself in the manner of the people of Lot, kill the doer and the receiver. See, gay men are being rounded up in the Islamic world. They're being beaten, flogged, incarcerated, lashed, hanged, brutalized, stoned, thrown from roofs, tortured, and shot. In Saudi Arabia and Iran, homosexuals are regularly, routinely beheaded, hung, and stoned. Stoned. These are the two countries that m- apply Muhammad's lo- laws most strictly. Five other Muslim countries also have death penalty, um, the death penalty for those who engage in any type of homosexual behavior. As one cleric recently put it, the only point of theological debate is not whether the homosexual should be killed, but how it should be done. In 2016, an educated imam in Tunisia explained that while it may seem harsh, there is not ambiguity about this in in Islam. He said, God is very straightforward about this, not we Muslims, not subjective. The Sharia is very clear about it. The punishment for homosexuality, bestiality, or anything like that is death. We may not make any excuses about that. It's not our law. It's the Quran. There are several places in the Quran where the story of Sodom is repeated, with emphasis placed on the destruction of the town for homosexual Lewdness. Alatoya Abdullah Javali Amali of Iran said in April of 2012 that homosexuals are inferior to dogs and pigs since these animals presumably do not engage in such, such acts. In November of that year, a cleric on British television stated, What should be done to those who practice homosexuality? Torture them, punish them, beat them, and give them to mental torture. In 2014, a fatwa from the mainstream on Islam.net proclaimed that homosexuality is abnormal and abhorrent and confirmed that gays should be killed. The punishment for men or women who are unwilling to give up homosexuality and therefore are rejecting the guidance of Allah Most High is in fact death according to Islam. And an imam invited to speak at a Florida mosque, this is the one that I just played for you, in Orlando in 2016, this year, said that killing gays was an act of compassion. Although some Muslim political leaders in the West join with social liberals in alliances that sometimes include peripheral support for gay rights and civil unions, this appears to be more a matter of expediency than genuine concern. There has never been any noticeable effort on the part of Muslim leaders in the West to relieve the plight of homosexuals in Islamic countries overseas. Again, that's from the religionofpeace.com. They have references all through there to links to all these different stories. You can read about it. This isn't something being done in secret. This is what the Quran teaches. This is what Sharia law teaches. This is what a imam in Orlando this year said that killing gays was an act of compassion. I guarantee you, you will not find a Christian teacher anywhere saying that killing gays is an act of compassion. Because Christianity and Islam teach completely different things. And to think that they are the same, to think that uh, a Christian who doesn't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding is on equal footing 
to a religion that teaches that killing gay individuals is an act of compassion, to say that those are somehow equal is as ludicrous a statement as any I have ever heard. You know, Stephen Crowder is one of the few commentators that not only acknowledges Islamic terrorism, but also exposes how Islamic doctrine and teaching itself influences its adherence. And I just, I really appreciate the work that he does with this. And he wrote a piece yesterday about the Orlando incident. And, uh, and he said this, he said, uh, so do we have every com- uh, 100% confirmation as to the shooter's every motive? No, of course not. However, I've taken some time today to research back to mass shootings in the United States as far as 2001. Not once in any case did the authorities even suggest Islamic terrorism without it turning out to be the actual case. Anytime it's suggested or semi-confirmed, it has invariably been the case. Don't forget the authorities in San Bernardino took far longer to even admit the possible implication of Islam, despite having a pretty strong hunch from the outset. All that to say that those who will scream Islamophobia don't seem to understand that the media and police are terrified to even admit Islamic terrorism as at play. They go out of their way to avoid it if they can. Which brings us to media malpractice. It matters that the shooter was Islamic. It matters that the massacre occurred at a gay nightclub. Let's use two different headlines as an example. Example one, mass shooting occurs at nightclub. Or in a very different form, Islamic terrorist massacre occurs at gay nightclub. See the difference? Do you know why it matters? Number one, Sherlock isn't required to deduce a motive here. Whether it's Saudi Arabia holding meetings on how to most effectively kill gays, or Iran throwing them off rooftops, or ISIS specifically targeting gay people, or really, just the Quran itself. Islam has a long and storied quarrel with gays in nearly any Islamic country. If you're gay, you're dead. That matters. Do you think for a second that the media wouldn't dine out on an anti-gay mass shooting at the hands of Christians for months? They give Westboro Baptist more coverage than Islam's homophobia, and all those hacks do is create some crappy Bristol boards. And this one is more important. As of right now, the top trend on social media is gun control now. Again, this is a lot easier to push if you sidestep the Islamic terrorism issue. Gun control would not have prevented this. I don't know that anything could have prevented this. Violence is a part of the human condition and unfortunately will never be eradicated, which is precisely why good people need to maintain their right to self-preservation through firearm ownership. But if the left really wants to save lives, if they really want to stop the massacres, how about Islam control now? Islam subjugates, mutilates, and murders far more people every day than law-abiding American gun owners do in a year. But Islam is not the same as Christianity. Islam is not the same as Buddhism. It's not the same as the Baha'i faith. Islam is not only a religion, but a specifically prescribed ideology, bringing with it its own system of government and laws. Every single Islamic mosque has an imam who can oversee legal matters, usurping, usurping our current legal system. It's not merely a church. It is a courthouse, and it's a courthouse whose views on women, gays, and non-Muslims would repulse any human rights supporter in America. These should, of course, not be allowed to operate on American soil. So if the left is truly concerned about saving lives, if they truly want to curb down on mass violence, then stop with the lives re- lies regarding gun control and start telling the truth regarding Islam. That's a powerful piece. It's over at louderwithcrowder.com. And guess what? It's not just Orlando. Uh, yesterday late morning there was a report uh, from LA that a man with weapons 
and explosives was headed to an L.A. gay pride event. We need to stop saying that these things aren't related. We need to stop saying that these are senseless acts of violence when these things happen. Because when it comes to Islamic terror, it's anything but senseless. These people know exactly who they're targeting. They know exactly what they're doing. And they know exactly why they're doing it. We cannot hide under a rock and pretend that the relation between relationship between Islamic teaching and the slaughter of 49 gay individuals in Orlando are unrelated. And we can't pretend that Christians who don't bake cakes hate gay people, but countries that stone and behead gay people are practicing their religion and their own version of religious freedom. Nor can we pretend that disarming the populace will somehow prevent tragedies like this in the future. I mean, this club was a gun-free zone. No guns allowed. And not being allowed to have guns there didn't prevent this action. And furthermore, terrorists don't follow laws to begin with, nor do they need guns to be able to carry out acts of terror. I mean, look at the Boston bombing. They created bombs out of things that anyone can walk into a store and buy. The 9-11 hijackers used box cutters to kill thousands of people. Taking guns away from law-abiding citizens doesn't stop bad guys. It never has. It never will. What it does do when you take guns away from citizenry is allows dictators to rise. Hitler said to conquer a nation, first disarm its citizens. So, you know, I, uh, my heart breaks for the city of Orlando. This is a horrible, horrible tragedy uh, in American history. But it's not a senseless act of violence. This guy knew exactly what he was doing, and he was driven by a radical ideology that is, that is embedded in Islam's teachings, and it's time that we recognize the root cause of the problem. And we can't make a tragedy like this about our particular favorite agenda at the moment, because it's not about an agenda, and the answer to terror is not to elect someone or to take guns away from people, because the problem isn't guns, and the problem isn't who the president is. The problem is what the problem has always been, and that is that mankind is born in sin. The problem is that evil exists in the world, and we have to change hearts to change minds to change the world. Because the Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. The heart of man is evil. Who can know it? Well, we know it. We, we're seeing it. We're seeing it all the time right now. But there's good news. There is always good news. The Bible says that we are all sinners. That we have all done wrong. But there's hope for us because God loves us. And this is how we change the world. It's not by taking away guns. It's not by electing a certain person to the presidency. Yes, there may be benefits to both those things, depending on which side of whatever argument you may fall. You can make an argument for how it would be harder to shoot people if you didn't have a gun. That's true. I can't shoot someone if I don't have a gun. Can't argue with that. Does that mean it's a great plan? No. But it is true. I can't shoot someone without a gun. Would it be harder for a terrorist to get into our country if Donald Trump is president than if Hillary Clinton is president? Probably, yes. I would say that you could argue that that also is true. But that's not the solution, ultimately. Neither one of these things is a solution to evil in the world. Evil is something that is inherent in the heart of man, and it has to be dealt with in the heart of man to end it. And how do we do that? By relationship with God. Because God is holy. 
and God is righteous, and one day when we die, we are going to stand before God to be judged. And that evil that's in our hearts, that sin that is in our life, that separates us from God. That is why mankind is wicked, and that is what will keep us from heaven when we die. But the good news is this. The good news is that God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth as God in human flesh. He came, he died on the cross in your place, in my place, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to take away that evil. And three days after he died, Jesus rose from the dead. He was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. And then he went back to heaven where he reigns now as the one true God. And he's waiting for you to call upon him because your heart, this is how we change the world, by changing one heart at a time. And you can know that you are going to heaven because of what Jesus did. You can have that wickedness, that evil removed from your heart. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that we do that get us to heaven, but because of what he did. And all we have to do is call upon him. We have to admit that we are sinners. We have to ask him for eternal life. That's it. Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13 say, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done that, if you don't know if your heart is in the right place, then I encourage you to do that today. If you really want to make a difference in changing the world, then the best thing that you can do is get your heart right with God. Eliminate the wickedness that's in your life. Even if you're a good person, we've all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned. Deal with you first. Then help your neighbors. One person at a time, one heart at a time. This is how we change the world. You can pray this simple prayer. If you've never done this before, you can say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that you are God. I know that because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. But you died to pay for my sin. I believe that you died, that you were buried and rose from the dead, proving that you are God. And right now, in the best way I know how, I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior, and my God. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me now to live for you. Amen. And if you just called upon Jesus by praying this prayer, your life has been transformed. And we would love to talk with you about that. We would love to help you uh, f- learn about the next steps that you can take and you because you've just become a child of God and you're on your way to heaven. So we'd love to hear about your decision. You can call us at 702-647-4522 and be sure to join us at church Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We'd love to talk to you then as well. Or you can always email us. You can email radio at experienceliberty.com or you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I am at the Frittle. This has been the Frittle Show on KVXL LP Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Coming up in just a few minutes is Dr. David Tice with Living in Liberty. You can join us back here again tomorrow at uh, 7 a.m. or 6 p.m. Pacific time. And remember, just how we change the world. It's not by gun control. It's not by an election. It's by changing hearts. And when we change hearts, we can change minds. And that's how we can change the world. This is Whom Shall I Fear from David Wesley. We'll see you back here tomorrow.